Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to those of you who are back. Welcome back. And if you are new here, I just want to say hello. I'm so glad you took a part of your day to be with us. And for all of you watching online, uh, thank you for tuning in wherever and whenever you were doing this. My name is Andy, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm just so glad uh, that you're here, and I hope you're being met by God so far. How about it? You've been met by God so far. Are you glad you came this morning? Come on now. Let's let him have it. Let's, let's let him hear. Yes. So glad to come and experience God with you all here in this place. I'm so glad. Well, it's here. It's here. December's here. Christmas is here, everybody, whether you're ready for it or not. Um, so, I, But, man, we're decorated. We are ready. I hope you are ready for this, too. And so before we get to anything, I feel like I want to ask you a question because it's really important. It's really important, this question. When is it too early to say Merry Christmas? What do you think? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I got a Merry Christmas this past week, and, I, and it was not even December. I don't know how I feel about that. Everybody. I just, I'm just saying. Like, I don't, and I don't know about you. I need some snow, everybody. I need some snow to be able to say, Mary, I am praying for snow in the name of Jesus Christ right now, okay? I need snow to say a proper Merry Christmas. How about, okay, maybe we, we don't agree on when it, but we all agree when it's time to put the Christmas lights up, right? Like we all are on the same page with that, right? Maybe not so much, okay? Uh, so I found a few things. I found some polls. I, I, you know, I want you to see where you land. When it's too early to put up Christmas lights. So I have a poll on when people put their Christmas lights on so you can find your place in here somewhere. So do you put them up after Halloween or the week or weekend after Thanksgiving? Or the first week of December, where, where do you put yourself? Some of you actually need this one uh, right here. You're supposed to take them down. Like some of you need that. You know who you are. I'm just saying. Like that's what, so here, let's see. Let's see. Where do you put yourself right here? Where do you put yourself? Here we go. How, people put them up after how Somebody in our home group does that. We, we let her have it. Uh, 6% do it after. 52% after Thanksgiving. Who's that? That's me. I'm one of those. First of December, 40%. And 2% say, I don't even take them down. Like I'm just wasting my electricity bill, everybody. How about that? So that's when. How about uh, this one? When? is it too early to listen to Christmas music? All right, talk amongst yourselves. Think about it. What, what, what's, we need some music here. Here it is. Here. So after Halloween, is it okay? After Halloween, so I just heard somebody go, no. Uh, after Thanksgiving, it's never too early or no, just no. Uh, don't want, so here, here we go. Here's where you find yourself. Here we go. Here's the numbers. 26% say after thanks, after Halloween. I, I thought that's a higher number than I thought. After Thanksgiving, about half of us, never too early. 20, a quarter of you are like listening to it in July, which is crazy. Uh, and then 2% are no. And here's what I want. What kind of Grinch does not want to listen to Christmas music? Right here it is. This is the Grinch. This is, this is, this is who, this is the no. Our fearless worship leader, this is true, does not. So here's a Christmas present to me, everybody. Just over the month of December, just if you see Benny, just ask him to put more Christmas songs in the worship set. So there you go. Merry Christmas. We love you, Benji. We are so glad that you're our worship leader, but he cannot stand Christmas music. So, hey, but I'm ready. I'm really looking forward to this. Man, I, I am ready for the lights. I, I really am. I'm ready for the music and for all this series and all the stuff that we're doing to be a help for us to get ready for the arrival of Jesus, the King, the Messiah, God with us. And here's what I I really want. This is what I really want. I thought about this a lot over the last couple weeks. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for my family. And this is my hope uh, for all of you too, that, that I want this to be a time, the four weeks that we have, lead, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, I just want this to be a sacred time. That's my hope. That's, that's what I want, the, to let the lights and, and the music and all that stuff to be more for us, almost like a messenger, like an alert for us that something has happened. Because gang, I'm going to tell you something. Something has really happened. Something happened around this time and something is still happening to this day. That God 
sent us his son that, that to be with us, that he put on human skin, that he was born like us. He became like us and he came to answer the cries of every single one of our hearts in this room. That he came, Jesus came to satisfy and bring joy and peace and mercy and forgiveness and all these great things to our life. That's what happened around this time. That's what came, that's what is coming. But, but here's what I know, because I want this to be Savior time, but here's what I know. I know how easy it is to not let that happen, to just let this be another holiday or, or let this be just another Christmas. I know how easy it is to take that focus away from Jesus and we don't even know. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite every single one of us today and to, to be thinking about this today, starting over the next four uh, Sundays that we have together leading up to Christmas, I just want to invite you to let this time be a sacred time so we can just let God move in closer and closer to our space and let Jesus, just let Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, I want him to occupy, listen, that sacred space that you already have for Christmas. And here's why this is a perfect time to be thinking about this. I don't know if you knew this, but today, December 2nd, today is the very first day of Advent. And Advent, uh, what it is, if you don't know, it's okay if you don't, but Advent is the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas, and it ends on December 24th. So this is actually the first day of Advent. The word Advent actually means coming. That's what it means. And, and here's what the Advent season uh, is all about. See, it, it's important, actually. It's really important. It's more important than maybe we think. It represents a time where we have this great anticipation. There is an anticipating of the arrival of Jesus coming to this earth. But here's where we get a little lost. See, that's not all Advent's supposed to be. Did you know that? Advent's actually more. It's, it's more than that. Advent's also a time, and I think we miss this uh, so often. It's also, we miss this in the Christmas season. It's also a time for us to reflect on and prepare and anticipate the fact that, listen, Jesus is coming back, that he's returning one day to bring heaven and claim it, claim earth and bring heaven here on earth to make all things right. And so I think Advent is really an underrated thing that we do. And, and maybe we can just bring this fresh approach into the Advent season as we focus Focus in on Jesus being born. Yes and amen to that. But for us, everybody, it's different. There's something more to that. It's that we actually anticipate and think about Jesus coming back, that he's coming back. And how, how do we get ready for that? So, so I've been thinking a lot about this over the last couple of weeks, and, and I've been challenging myself with just one simple question. And, and I want to challenge you all with this question too. And it's really simple. I think we can all ask this no matter where you land with God. How am I preparing for Christmas? How do I get ready like, how do I know that I'm doing this right? For a lot of us here, uh, here's my guess for, for most of us here, and this is why you're here today. My guess is you want to get that right, that you want to wake up on Christmas Day and you want to be able to say, man, I did it right. We, as a family, we did it right. We didn't do it perfectly, but for the most part, man, we got to the point of all this being about Jesus and nothing else. And for some of you here, this is really a bigger thing for you because some stuff going on in your life. This year is different for you for some reasons that, that you have a new anticipation that you actually have more of an excitement and it's for a reason. You know, for some of you here, you would say this is your first year as a true follower of Jesus. So you became a Christian uh, in this past year. Here's what I know. I know over the course of the year, just in this place, that we've had a lot of adults come to know uh, and have a saving faith decision in Jesus Christ over the past year. We've baptized dozens of adults just here in this place over the last year. And so I know you're here and you're, this is your first year as a, as a true Christian. You're wondering, man, I want to do that right. How do I do this? I'm excited. I, I don't want this Christmas to be like Christmas of the past. I, I want to do that. I want to do this right. 
Now, maybe for some of you here, maybe you're, you're in a new relationship, you're newly engaged, you're not married yet, and you're wondering, well, how do we prepare for the coming of Jesus in this new relationship, in this new dynamic I'm in? Like, you know, do I do it individually? Do we do it together? How far do we go? Is it, you know, how spiritual should we get? You know, those are important questions that you should ask, but you want to do it right. For some of you here this morning, uh, you're, you're new parents for the first time. And that's a really important time in your life. And I think for some of you, you want to say, man, we, this is our opportunity to make a new rhythm, make a new thing for us uh, this year. We want to do it right. But for some of you here, there's also some folks here that you would say there's, there's more challenges coming up and you're wondering, man, can I do this? Can I really do this? Can I, can I get this right with what I'm facing? You know, I know for, for some of you in this room, this is, you're facing this as the first Christmas alone. That maybe, you know, spouse passed away or someone close to you passed away or, or maybe uh, you just went through a divorce and man, and you're sitting here, you're like, I'm not sure how to do this. I've never done this alone. I've never done this by myself. It's new to you. Maybe for some of you here this morning, this is your first Christmas sober. But man, you know the triggers, you know the things that are coming up and man, every step for you seems like shaky ground sometimes. Can I just encourage you here this morning, if that's you, man, I wanna let you know your friends, your family are so proud of you. They're so proud of you. And I wanna tell you by the mercies and the power of God, you can stay sober, you can do it. We're so proud of you, way to go, stay sober, okay? You can do it, it's worth it, keep going. And ironically enough, you know what one of the bigger challenges is that a lot of people face, the biggest challenge is that you really don't have any challenges going on at all. There's no ups, no downs. Some of you, that's you. This is just another year and, and there's not a lot going on. It's just this steady line of life. And you're wondering, man, how do we actually get out of the mundane? How do we actually step out and step up and make this more than just a routine? So there's a lot on the line for a lot of people. And so I wanna say, here's what I wanna say. Wherever you are and with whatever's going on, I wanna challenge you to take that and use that Use that to inspire you to get closer and closer and prepare your heart and, and let you get closer and closer to your creator and maker and savior this year. Let, let those new things actually boost you, give you a boost to do this and let those things, instead of the challenges that paralyze you, let those challenges actually cause you to take a step towards God this year because we can all challenge ourselves. I really believe this. We can all challenge ourselves to make this time sacred to really let God in wherever you are. So I want to kick us off. I want to get into the Bible and see what the Bible says. And I want to go to a store. I'm going to go to a place in the Bible that a lot of people probably would not go to. You wouldn't normally go to a Christmas message. But it's a place where we're going to find some answers to this question together of how do I prepare? How do I get ready for the coming of the Lord? And it's in Isaiah 40. It's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, if you want to open there. Uh, we're going to be reading a couple verses here, verse 3 to 5. And so here's what it says in Isaiah 40. It, it says there's a voice crying out, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Okay, so this was written uh, by a prophet, the prophet Isaiah, and this was a prophecy that was written over 700 years before Jesus was born, and it was pointing to the coming of the Messiah, and for 700 years, nothing, just nothing. Until one day, a guy literally came out of the woods. Like he came out of the wilderness. His name was John the Baptist. And this is what he said. He came out kind of saying this verse, this exact verse. It's in Luke chapter three, if you want to follow it. And he said, hey, you got to get ready. 
Hey, get prepared because the coming of the Lord is coming real soon. It's coming really, really soon. And he used Isaiah's same words in Isaiah 40 in his prophecy to do. And here's the problem. The problem was, though, that he was using a prophecy that was 700 years old. And you know, for the people, not much was real different this year than last year. Honestly, I mean, it's like, man, probably the last 699 years. So they weren't really, maybe not so geared up to prepare when he was kind of yelling this at them. They're not so ready. They didn't really think anything would happen. But here's the thing. Something did happen. You see, Jesus came right behind. He came to the scene and he totally changed the world after John said these words. And here's what I want to say to all of us this morning. You see, Jesus is still here and he's still changing the world. And gang, he's coming. He's coming. So how do I respond to that? You know, as I uh, studied Isaiah 40, the more and more I just believe this is such a great message for us to start the Christmas season, the Advent season, because I started studying through these metaphors. And the more I got these metaphors, the more I came to appreciate what this is actually speaking to us about preparing, preparing ourselves for this. And the people back in John the Baptist day, when he said that, they really would have gotten the imagery that Isaiah was using. We we might not so much today. So I just want to kind of share with you what I learned uh, about the imagery and the metaphors in this uh, uh, prophecy of Isaiah 40. See, back in those days, in the ancient times, what would happen is in these little towns, the king would come and visit these towns. And so what they would do is they would send this messenger, they called him a herald, to come to the town and he would get the town ready before the king would come. And they would, they would start to do all these things. They would gear up and, and, and he, they would follow all the ordinances of the king. He would make sure they were following all the rules because, and they would clean up the town because it was such a big deal for the king to come. You wanted the town to really look good. And, and so the herald would do that. And the herald would also kind of go around town acting as the city inspector. He, he would kind of point things out that need to get cleaned up or get fixed, roads that needed prepared. And so they would do that. They would make them smooth and straight and, and they would do all the things that the herald would say, because again, this was such a big deal for the king to come. They didn't want to get it wrong. They wanted to give their best before that. And they would even go so far if they could to actually raise valleys up and really lower, flatten the land as much as possible because they didn't even want the king's horses to get tired on their way to town. It was a huge preparation because the king is coming. So here's what I want to do. And it's going to be really hard. I want you to just come with me. Imagine if you will. uh, And I want you to just really try your best. I know it's hard to imagine this, but what if I could convince you today that in three weeks from today, in three weeks, that you know for a fact that Jesus, the king, is actually going to make a visit to your house. He will physically be in your house, and you know that, that he'll be in your house or your apartment in person. Here's my question. Would you make any preparations right now? Is there anything that you would kind of look around and just clean with a little bit more muscle, right? Uh, Is there some stuff that you would fix. And so some of you are like, yeah, let's have them come and you need to fix some stuff around the house. Is there anything that you would actually throw out that you would say, man, there's no way I know that the king wouldn't want me to have this in this house. Is there anything that you would want to do to throw out, to get ready for the coming king? See, this is what Advent is about. This is what the season of Advent is about. But here's what I'm gonna challenge you all with. See, it's not instead of the king coming to our house, see, Advent is saying the Messiah is coming. We gotta prepare our hearts. 
We got to get ready. Let's look around in there. Let's see what needs cleaned up in our hearts. Let's see what needs repaired. Are there some things that actually just need completely thrown out? Because I know that's not what the king would want me to be thinking about or doing or any of that so that we could be ready, we could be prepared for the coming king. And so what I want to do this morning, just, just to keep on this question, how am I preparing it, is I want to go back to Isaiah 40. I just want to look at a few of these metaphors and see how they help us in our question of how do we prepare? How do we get ready for the coming of the king? And so the first one that I want to look at that he says is that every valley, when the king comes, every valley shall be exalted. You know, all of us, uh, I think, have valleys that we experience in our lives, right? When I say that, you know what I'm talking about. You can point back, you can look back, you might be in it right now, that we've all experienced valleys in our lives. There's unexpected loss or there's news or, or there's circumstances that come out that just bring you low. You know, maybe you're fractured right now a little bit. Maybe you're just fractured uh, relationally. Maybe you're fractured financially. You're in a bad place. You have things maybe going on medically and, and it's bringing you to the valley right now. One day uh, when Jesus was here on earth, he actually uh, stood up uh, and, and talked to a lot of people and he delivered one of the most upside down sermons, one of the most upside down messages about God's kingdom and God's economy. And he stood up and he said this, this is what he said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Do you catch what he's saying right here? What Jesus is saying is he's saying, happy are those, happy people are those who are poor, who are low and mourn and who are modest and who are humble. And I mean, I know we're in church and all, I know we're there and so we wouldn't really say this all the way out loud, but tell me that that's not what you really believe, right? Tell me that, that that's really is what you believe. Tell, tell me that you don't really think just in the corner of your brains that, that the blessed life isn't being rich in spirit or, or that it being rich in stuff or that I'm not me, but I'm bold. That, that that's, that's what it is really. But we really, really wouldn't admit that here, would we? But Jesus comes, this is crazy, guys. Do you know what he says? He says, in God's kingdom, you see the low is lifted up. The valleys will be raised. And I want you to know if you're here and you're in a low place. God didn't bring you there, know that, just know that, that he didn't bring you there. But here's what you need to know. Jesus came so that every valley of your life is filled. That's why he came. God will meet you in that place and he can lift you up. And it's so upside down, I'm telling you everybody, it's so upside down to what you think when you think about being rich and blessed, but it's just what Jesus said. It's why he came, that the valleys will be raised up. The second one uh, to think about as we prepare our hearts is, is that every mountain brought low. Mountains back in the ancient days when people would travel, like they were very dangerous things to kind of go around. Nobody really wanted to kind of walk around. They were big threats because you never knew who was hiding around them. You never knew what threats were around. There were all kinds of dangerous things that could happen to just be just out of sight, you know, so they could nail you. So if the valleys are low points in life, then for us, as we look at the mountains in our life, the mountains are our pride. Pride is so sneaky. It's just like the mountains, man. You just never know what's kind of percolating up in there with the pride that we have in our lives. It's sneaky. Here's what pride does. Pride tells you that you're more important. Pride tells you that you're better than, that, that you deserve and that you don't need help. 
And here's the worst part about pride. The worst part about pride is you don't even know it's there. Like that's the hardest part about pride is we, we rarely see it in ourselves. We rarely see pride. It's just so hard to see it. And pride on the spiritual side, that's not even the spiritual side. On the spiritual side, it's just so bad. It's so bad. Pride, just, I wrote a few things. Pride makes my happiness about my performance. That's what pride does. That my, my performance is what makes me happy. It, it compares is what pride does. It tears down relationships. And you know what it does? It separates us from God. That's what pride does. That's why God says that he hates pride. He hates it. Check out what this says. This is what God says about pride in Proverbs 8. It says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride, I mean, it's great, evil, period. Pride and arrogance, just in case you want to know, uh, are the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So I want to push you a little bit. I was going to ask you, invite you in on this as we're trying to prepare our hearts. I just want to ask you a question in this Christmas season. Do you have a little pride that you need to think about in your life? Is there any pride going on? Is there a resistance? Is there a little bit too much self-reliance going on in your heart? Are there areas, I don't know, just think, are there areas in your life where you know what God says about in your finances or your relationships or in your lifestyle or whatever? You know what God says. You know the guardrails, but you're doing something else. Gang, that's pride. That's pride. Pride believes I know better than God for my happiness. Pride says I know better than God for my worth or to get the most out of life. Pride Man, pride has no place in God's economy. And, and trust me, that's good news. I wanna tell you, that's such good news because I'm telling you, you don't wanna let what you may, was proud about you in your life get you to God. You do not want that. You do not want what makes you proud in your life to get you to God. Jesus came to knock that down. Jesus came to level that out, to put you on even level ground if you let him, if you let him. Pride is such a barrier to preparing your heart for the coming of the king. What kind of pride is going on in your heart? The third one is this that the crooked places made straight. The crooked places made straight. Uh, in Luke 3, this is when John the Baptist comes. I really challenge you to read that uh, over this Christmas season. To go in Isaiah 14, go to Luke chapter 3. There's a lot of things that, that John the Baptist says that I'm not gonna be able to get at. But when he starts yelling this out in Jesus' day, uh, and if I think if I were there and I understood the actual metaphors that he was using in the book of Isaiah, this is the one where I would be all in with whatever he was saying. I'd be like, man, I'd be all in with what he's saying because he's saying this, he's saying this with this one here. He's saying, hey, Jesus is coming to straighten out the bent people. He's coming to straighten you crooked people out because that's what he, and for me, like a lot of you, you see, that was me before I met Jesus. I was on the crooked path. I was not on God's path before I met Jesus. And what I love about Jesus is what fired so many people up about Jesus. They just couldn't stand the fact that he was always hanging out with crooked people. And, and I don't know if we really think, I think we know this and we know that, oh yeah, he's a friend of sinners. But I don't think we really put ourselves in that as like church going people, because here's what would really happen. Like when Jesus would come into town, like, Yes, he would go to synagogue. But you know one of the first things before he went to synagogue would be? He would actually go around and he would find the people who would rather be in the casino or the bar on Sunday morning and he would go hang out with them. Like, literally hang out and be friends with them. Like that's what he would do. And it just fired people up. It really did. They, they were like, hey man, have you heard of Jesus? This guy, this guy, Jesus coming down. They're like, yeah, I mean, the guys, that, that guy, that dude always hangs out with the drunks, man. Like what's his deal? I thought he was religious. Like what's his problem? Like why didn't he come to our prayer meeting? That's what you're, you're supposed to pray about those people, not hang out with those people. I'm Facebooking this, man, 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 man. Like that's, uh, that's not in the, I paraphrase that a little bit. That's not in the Bible, but that's, uh, that's what they did, you know? You, I mean, you, you, know, you know when the religious people called Jesus a friend of sinners, it wasn't a compliment, right? It was an insult. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't believe, they were so offended by it. 
And I hope we see this isn't too far from who we are, everybody, sometimes. We just love pointing out sin in people, right, without even knowing them. We love doing that, pointing out from afar without really having any mercy or compassion or even understanding where this person's coming from at all. We love doing that. But Jesus, see, man, he came down to show mercy and compassion first, that that paves the way to forgiveness, not just pointing it out and saying, hey, stop sinning, sinner. Now, here's the thing. Jesus did say that. He did eventually get to that with everybody, but it's just it would be after he earned the right for them and loved them right where they were to show them compassion and mercy before he said, hey, go stop sinning. Gang, here's what I want to say this morning as we are preparing ourselves. What do we do? This is good news for us. And I want us to be thinking about and reflecting on these things. You see three things in Isaiah 40. This is good news. The low will be lifted up. See, you're never, I want you to know this. You're never too low to be turned away by Jesus. Never too low. That the, the proud will be humbled one way or another. There's no earning this. There's no earning this because you grew up this way or that way. No one deserves it or earns their way in God's kingdom. Everyone is in the same boat. And the crooked will be made straight. Everything's evened out. Everything's leveled out for the coming of the Messiah. That's what the coming of Jesus means. That's what's coming in the coming of Jesus. And I want to look just in this real quick on verse 5. Because why this is preparing... As for all of this that we're preparing for, this is what it is because the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's why it's leveling out. That's why we got to get ready. That's what's happening when Jesus comes and all flesh shall see it. Everybody will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And gang, listen, what I want us to say is we're thinking through this question of how do I prepare myself? How do I get my heart ready? See what Isaiah was getting at there and what John the Baptist was saying is that Jesus is coming. You can't stop it. And, and really, it doesn't matter how you prepare. You could prepare little or you could prepare a whole lot, but he's still coming. They couldn't stop it then when he came as a baby. And I'm gonna tell us the same thing for us today. It's not up to us when or how Jesus will return, but it is happening. It's gonna happen. And gang, it should have a weight to it. It should have a weight to it. In fact, uh, the Hebrew word for glory right here, it actually means weight. It means weight, that, that whenever the God would appear, whenever he would show up, there was a weight to it. And here's the point that I want to get to today. Like if you walk out with anything today, here's what I want you to walk away with. It's that his presence should give us this sense of awe and wonder. And that it should drive us in our hearts to prepare, not because it's necessary for his arrival. He's coming no matter what, but it's that we get to prepare because we are eternally grateful for why he came and what it means for us. So how do you prepare? How do we prepare? How do we get ready? I wanna give you some things that I'm gonna be doing over this Christmas season, things that I already actually started and going to do and that, that helped me. And I'm just gonna give these to you and you can take them for what they're worth. You can write them down or just say, that's kooky. You can do whatever you want with them. But there, I'm gonna tell you three things that I'm doing over this Christmas season. Here's the first thing. I don't have them on the screen. Just write these down if you want. They're really quick, really easy. The first thing that I'm gonna do is I'm going to read, Okay. For me, I love reading uh, the Christmas story. I love reading uh, out of Matthew and Luke. I love reading uh, the whole story of the birth of Jesus. But can I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little honest with you. Are you okay with me being a little honest with you right now this morning? After I read it a couple of times, I get kind of bored. I'm just gonna be, I just, I can't read it like eight times. I just, that's just me. I think I have ADD and, I, and I'm like squirrel there and all this. I, I gotta have some fresh stuff. I can't just keep reading the same thing sometimes. And so here's what I do. This is what I do. I find a Christmas book or a Christmas devotional because here's what I know I need. I need some fresh thoughts from God. I need some fresh approaches 
from really good books that kind of lean in to the Christmas story. And it helps me a lot. Uh, so this year, what I'm doing is I'm reading a book by Tim Keller called Hidden Christmas. Uh, and it's been really good so far. I'm only a chapter in or so, but it's been so helpful for me. Uh, and that's a kind of a, I got to read it a couple times over and then I get it figured out. But he's really smart, uh, and, but he's good. Uh, but, and so that's what I'm reading. I know Courtney, uh, my wife, she's reading an Advent study with a few ladies and it's called He Is. Uh, that's what she's doing with a few ladies and, and she's really enjoying that so far. See, here's what I want to push a little bit for you. See, some of you, you need some fresh thoughts, don't you? You need some fresh thoughts on God and Jesus in this story. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's up to you to get it. It's your responsibility to get some fresh thoughts about that and some new perspectives on your mind with God. There are a lot of good books and devotionals out there. In fact, what we did for you this morning is I put a bunch, or not a bunch, I put three or four different books out there on the table. You can just check those out. Don't take them. They're just for you to look at and say, hey, is this worth my money to buy and read over the Christmas season? We have four books out there. Just go take a look and see if that's something that's worth reading for you. But that's the first thing that I do. And here's the second thing that I do is that I actually am gonna find a time to fast. Fasting is, I think it's very underutilized uh, spiritual discipline. I don't think we really talk about it that much. I don't think we do it. But this is such a great time to kind of enter into a time of fasting over the Christmas Eve. So here's what it is, just so you know what it is. Fasting isn't just stopping doing something. Fasting is intentionally giving something up that you do every day for a period of time in order to focus more on God. And, and, and if you've never done it, what a great time to do it uh, over this Christmas season to prepare your heart. And I know some of you are out there and you're already like, don't mess with my Christmas dinner, bro. Like, don't do it. Don't tell me stop eating food. It doesn't have to be food. It could be all kinds of stuff. You could fast from all kinds of things. It could be TV. It could be technology. It could be whatever you think will be helpful. Actually, Courtney and I fast differently because uh, I just think we have different things that we love doing every day. Uh, so I usually fast from food when I fast. Courtney, actually, a lot of times, she fasts from technology use. She, she takes a fast from using technology. Uh, it's whatever you can use to actually bring you closer to God and focus more on him because here's what the point of fasting is. It's not denial. Fast, the point of fasting isn't denial. The point is to use something that will give you a hunger and a craving for it. And when you get that hunger and craving, you see, that's, that, that's a reminder for you to have that same hunger and craving for God. Then when it comes up, you're like, God, I need to have that for you, not this food. I need to have that for you and not getting on Facebook, God. I love you. I want to be, I want to be craving and desiring for you. So man, you can get your kids involved in this. This is a great opportunity to get your kids involved. Tell them what kind of food you want to give up and don't tell them why just because Jesus was born. Like say, no, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it, everybody. Hey, we're going to do this. And every time you want that food, then, then let's get our prayer list out that we made. And let's pray for Cousin Eddie and, and Uncle Brian and, and the hard people. Everybody laughed at Cousin Eddie. I know. I know you're out there. I know. I know. So you could do that. Make a list. Pray for that. You could do this. So here's a third thing I'm going to do. Be randomly generous. Oh, I did have them up there for you, didn't I? Be randomly generous. I was better at this than I thought. Uh, you know, I know a couple uh, that, that every Christmas what they do is they go eat a really cheap meal and they uh, tip their waiter or waitress like 50 bucks just to be, and they don't give them a tract. They don't give them turn or burn or fly or fry card. They don't do that. They just, they just tip. They just, they're just generous anonymously. And here's what they know. It brings them closer together in the Christmas season. It brings them spiritually together. So maybe you could plan on just being a blessing to somebody anonymously or randomly. It doesn't have to be a waiter. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody that you know. Just bless them in the name of Jesus. When, when you give yourself away, I'm telling you, when you give yourself away, you will really come closer to the heart of God and how he gave himself away to you. A lot of things we could do. I mean, that's just three things that I'm gonna do and maybe challenge you if you're trying to figure out how do I prepare myself? Those are three really good things that you could do, easy things. And Because I just want you to be thinking about this stuff, okay? I, I just want, because here's what I'm gonna tell you. Christmas is coming. 
It is coming. We were thinking about ways to kind of keep that message in front of you over the next four weeks of Christmas is coming. And somebody had a great idea as we were kind of uh, trying to think through this. And we were trying to figure out, well, like, how do we get, like, how do we get everybody this message? And where's everybody going to be over the next four weeks? And you know what we came up with? We knew where everybody will be all the time over the next four weeks. And you know what the answer is? Your car. Like, everybody's going to be in your car. Uh, You're going to be traveling by. So so what we did is we came up with this great idea to give you these really cool uh, air freshener ornaments, okay? And it says on it, Christmas is coming. And yes, it's pine scented. And yes, I have one in my car and it's glorious. I don't even like pine scent, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I want to challenge you to do this with us for the next three weeks. There's one for everybody here. If you have three cars, take three. And I'm telling you right now, even if you don't like the pine scent, it works and it actually makes a difference to actually open it up because when I get in that car and I smell it, it works. I go, oh, Christmas is coming. I'm serious. It's amazing. And it's fun, right? It's fun. But I'm like, man, Chris, how am I doing? You know, when you're on your way to Walmart, when you're on your way to get that extra flower, when you're on your way to that Christmas party, I'm telling you, it'll work. And you can look and it says Christmas is coming. And you can just pause for a second and go, God, how am I doing? How about that? How am I doing? Man, am I preparing my heart? Am I doing this right? Am I, and I get them ready right. And so I, it, it'll work. So I just hope for three weeks you do this, whether you're adverse to the pine smell or not, I really think it could work. And if you're really crazy about it, I know, I, listen, we never do anything right for everybody. I know somebody's really mad at me right now for, I can't believe you did pine scent. Okay, whatever. Uh, then, then don't open it. Don't open it. Just put it on there. It's fine. Just do it. But I, do it with us, however you do it. I'm telling you, it will work. It will work. And just to ask, how am I preparing? How am I preparing? Because we, we just wanted, so we'll be giving you the, all those on your way out, okay? So I just want you to keep asking that question over the next four Sundays, including today, how am I getting ready? All right, so let me pray and then we'll grab car fresheners. That sounded weird. Let's pray. You know, how much time do we have? We have a minute. I just want to, just, just to get ready, I just want to give you a minute right now. Just to close your eyes, get ready, because you're going to get into the chaos here in a minute. Just to, I want you to think about your heart. Man just to think how are you preparing right now for the arrival of the king hmm. how's your heart what things do you need to tend to what's God drawing your attention to right now can I ask you as you're praying what right now for some of you who are Jesus what do you need to repent of right now what do you need to get rid of? You know you need to get rid of that. You need, to, you need to fix that. He's willing and ready to forgive that right now if you want to give that up to him. Are you ready to stop? Can you take care of it right now? Just be done with it today. See, true repentance, it requires a change. It's not just feeling bad about it. It's actually turning from that way and turning to God and giving it to him. That's sin in your life. It's huge to prepare your heart for it. So, so maybe we can think of something to repent of right now, just to say, this is it. I got to give it to you right now. God, forgive me. Hmm. Some of you here as we're praying, I think you need to come to know Jesus and actually become a Christian uh, this Christmas. You've been looking the part. You've been saying the right things. You, you've been coming here, but for whatever reason, you have not turned your life over to him and you know it. You know it. You're here and you know that you have not actually fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ right now. And I'm going to add, you could do that right here this morning. Can I ask you, before we get done, I just want you to have some serious thought about that. Is your heart... Does it belong 
to Jesus, the Messiah, the one who came to save you? Does it belong to him or does it still belong to you? I wanna give you an opportunity to think about that right now. It's so important. I hope you understand what's on the line and realize in this moment, that's why you're here. That's why Jesus came, but you need to respond to this great gift of eternal life that God gives you through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. That can happen today. What a great way to start the Christmas season for you to actually enter in for the first time a relationship with your Savior and finally be redeemed and saved by accepting Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. You could do that right now. You can invite him into your heart. It's easy. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come forward. You, you can just do this right in your seat. You can, you can allow God in this. You can allow Jesus in. You can make a decision right now. So if you're ready to do that, you can just pray right now with me to mark this moment. Pray in your heart this prayer. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I accept Jesus and his death as full payment for my sin. And I want to be yours forever. I turn my life, I turn it from me and turn it to you. And I give you my whole life, my whole heart, and I'm yours forever. And now, God, we come to you and thank you for those who just accepted this gift, who just prayed that prayer. We thank you and we welcome them into the kingdom. For those of us who are already yours, I pray that we think about what we need to do to prepare our hearts, that we could come and we could understand that every valley is lifted up when you're coming, that every mountain of pride is made low if we let you have that, that you actually make the crooked straight, that you've come to set everything straight and the glory of the Lord is here. It is revealed in your son and Jesus. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for this amazing gift. We love you and until we see each other again, we pray for this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, we want to talk to you about that. There's next steps that we have for you. So make sure that you let us know, fill out a connect card that just says, I pray to receive Christ. And we will see you back here next Sunday, everybody, for the next part of Christmas is. Have a great week. Don't forget your car fresheners.